Well, hey, good morning, friendship. You know, there's a lot of people praising Jesus this weekend, amen, <laughs> right? Um, hey, I, our, my team did not have a game this week, but I am a big Gamecocks fan because my Ohio State Buckeyes were tied with Georgia at number three, so thank you all. <laughs> Man, it's a good weekend. So glad to see you all. We're in week number two of the series called Crushed, and I'm thankful that nobody's coming in feeling crushed this morning, at least football-wise, right? Um, but it's all about this idea that none of us that are, are, are immune to disappointment and discouragement and pain in life. And there's a verse in Proverbs 18, verse 14, that I came across this week that I want to share with you. Proverbs 18, verse 14 says this, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Here's the thought behind this. You know, we, we can go through physical pain and sickness, and we can endure that, but who can endure a crushed spirit? And I think one of the things that's so difficult about chronic pain that, that lasts is that it moves from just a physical pain to not just physical, but also internal, like a crushed spirit. And the writer says, who can, who can bear a crushed spirit? And so the question that we're trying to answer through this series is, what do we do when our spirit is crushed? And as Chase mentioned earlier, the theme verse for this whole series is Psalm 34, verse 18, that says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. That is the truth that we want to keep running back to. Whenever we feel discouraged and disappointed, the Lord is near and he saves the crushed in spirit. Uh, you, you know, as we talk about the book of Psalms, which in the series Crush, we're kind of working through the Psalms. And, and I love the book of Psalms because we see that the writer of the Psalms, the different writers, they go through the highs and lows and the emotions of life. And the book of Psalms helps us figure out how to handle those things in life. And when we talk about the book of Psalms, I always think about um, when I was in college, when I first kind of got connected to my wife, Annette. Uh, so we met back in 95, which tells you that we're kind of old, right? We met in college in 1995, and I remember our first semester in college, we knew each other, went to the same church, but it wasn't until we came back from, our, uh, from, from Christmas break to our second semester of that school year um, that we kind of got more connected. And I remember uh, my roommate, my friend of mine, uh, who actually had a crush on her at this time, I remember we went into the cafeteria, kind of the student dining area, and we were in this, this, this uh, fundamental, you know, Baptist Bible uh, college where we had to dress up, all right? So I remember uh, we walked into this cafeteria, and there's, there's Annette, and she's dressed in this pretty red dress, but her face, I mean, it looked literally like she'd been crying for days. And I don't know what was going on with her. What I would find out was that she had her, her first breakup, all right, over this Christmas break. This guy that she was dating broke up with her. And so she had probably been crying for days, right? And, and I, you know, I'm a 20-year-old young man, and, you know, my brain has not yet fully developed, right? <laughs> we know it's a fact that it's not fully developed until you're like 25, and so I walked up with my friend to Annette, and I said something, all right? Here's what I said to her. I said, wow, you look like death in a dress. <laughs> what? I would not recommend that as a pickup line, all right? Although, in God's grace, he somehow used that, right? 20 years later, we're still connected. No, do not use that as a pickup line. That shows that God is gracious and kind, regardless of our stupidity. Uh, but what I found out was that she had just broken up, been broken up with, and she was 
bummed. You know, a breakup, your first breakup is tough. And one of the things I learned from her, and she would probably be like, you learned something from me, but the, the thing I remember from that, the biggest lesson I learned from her during that time, um, one of the things she said that she was doing was reading through the book of Psalms. And I feel like it was like she had read through it like five or six or seven times, a lot of times. It was like she was holed up in her dorm room just reading the book of Psalms. And it was kind of funny at the time. Um, again, not very sensitive young man was I. But uh, I remember she was just reading through the book of Psalms. And I was a pretty young follower of Jesus at this point. I don't even know if I knew the depth of what the book of Psalms was all about. But I remember the biggest lesson I learned from her was to run to God's word during difficulty. Run to God's word during difficulty. Because you all know this, when we hit hard times and tough times, there's a million different directions that we can and often do run. Some of them good, some of them not so good, right? But the best way, the best direction to run is the direction my wife ran. It was to run to God's word, to find hope and peace and so we are in the book of Psalms um, this morning. The bottom line for today is, is this idea that God's word is our way out of despair. And it's our way into life. God's word is our way out of despair and it's our way into life. And so what we're talking about this morning is really running to God's word above all else. And so we're going to look at Psalm 119. So I'll ask you to turn to Psalm 119. Uh, let me give you a little background on Psalm 119. I told you last week that the book of Psalms is really, uh, if not my favorite, one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's the longest book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters. And Psalm 119 is probably my favorite psalm. Psalm 119, it is actually the longest psalm in all of the Bible. It's 176 verses. And what you find is if you, if you open in your Bible, your physical Bible, to Psalm 119, what you're going to find is if you take away all the maps and the, all the stuff in the back, if you look at your Bible, Psalm 119 lays pretty much like right in the center of the Bible. And it's been said that, that because Psalm 119, it's all about the Word of God. From beginning to end, it's about the Word of God. And so at the center of the Word of God is a reminder that the Word of God is central. It's at the center of everything. And so Psalm 119 is an incredible passage. And you see, you see different words used over and over throughout the 176 verses to refer back to God's word. So you'll see words like um, judgments and law and testimonies and precepts and ways. And these are all words that reference God's word, what God has said. And really, all, almost every single verse contains a reference to God's word. So depending on what translation you're reading, really all but about four or five verses say something specifically about God's word. And so Psalm 119 is all about uh, God's word and its power. And there's a few things that I want to point out to us that you, we see over and over and over throughout Psalm 119. Okay, a few things that we'll see over and over and over. The first thing we'll see is that the psalmist was troubled. He was troubled. Like, he didn't come to, to, to you know, pen on paper, and he, he wasn't at the top of, like, like, life wasn't going great for him. It wasn't like he's on the top of a mountain, everything's good. Like, he was troubled. And I want to read a few verses to you. Um, actually, wh why don't we take a minute just to read through the entire psalm, Psalm 119. 
I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, if we read 176 verses, we would be here all day. Uh, I want to encourage you to read that later, what you'll find in the Bible app, uh, or there's, there's physical copies at the tables in the back, uh, is a little one-week reading plan. So you can read about 21, uh, 24 verses a day for the next eight days and read through this whole psalm. Um, but this morning, I'm just going to, I'm going to read through, throughout the course of this sermon, about 20 or 25 verses from Psalm 119. I want us to see some things. The first thing is the psalmist was troubled. So if you look at Psalm 119, verse 28, he says this, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Again, this is a prayer to God, a declaration to God. My soul melts away for sorrow. Verse 82, he says, My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? My soul is melting away. God, when will you comfort me? Verse 84, how long must your servant endure? And I'm going through it, God. When will you judge those who persecute me? Verse 107, he says, I'm afflicted, right? No, no, I'm not just afflicted. He says, I am severely afflicted. Lord, I'm going through it. Would you give me life? Oh, Lord, according to your word, I'm severely afflicted. Verse 143, he says, Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Trouble and anguish. Listen, this was a, a person just like you and me. It wasn't all roses. It wasn't all good. It was, he was going through trouble. He was going through anguish. His soul was melting away. And so one of the things we see through the psalm is the psalmist was just like you and I going through the stuff of, of life. Okay, here's another thing that I want us to see. As you, as you look through Psalm 119, you see over and over and over descriptions of what God's word is and what God's wor- word does. What his word does and what it is. And we're, I'm just going to hit a handful of these. But, but here's what I want you to see. The, the psalmist, he, he over and over talks about the power and the awesomeness of God's Word. And so let me, let me show you a few of these verses. Verse number 52, he says this, When I think of your rules from of old, I take what? I take comfort, O Lord. So his, his word does what for us? It brings us comfort. And so he makes this declaration. Man, when I go to your book, I find comfort. Verse 86, he says, All your commandments are what? Sure. In other words, they're reliable, they're unfailing, they're sure. Verse 89, he says, forever, O Lord, your word is, read those two words with me, firmly fixed in the heavens, firmly fixed. You know what he's saying? He's saying they don't shift, they don't change, they don't sway and move, they're they're firmly fixed in the heavens forever, they stay the same. Verse 93, he says, I will f- never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me what? Life. He says that your precepts, your words, they, they give me life. They breathe life into my spirit. Verse 98, he says, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. His word, it makes us wiser. Okay, let me, let me talk about, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, but let me, let me bring up social media, all right? Sometimes I, I spend time on social media, 
And how many of you, you, you get off social media and you feel, like, you feel wiser because of your time on social media? Does anybody feel that? No, you don't. <laughs> here's, here's how I feel. I feel dumber, right? I spent 15 minutes just scrolling mindlessly through this and I'm like, what have I just done? I don't know. I'm more confused about life than I was before, right? This, the psalmist says this, when I go to your word, it makes me wiser, it gives me wisdom. It gives me understanding. I don't ever walk away from your word feeling less. I feel more empowered. And I've received life through it. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, your words, your truth, the things that you say to me, it it illuminates my way. It helps me know how to walk. It helps me know the right way to walk, the direction to walk. It, it lights up my path. Your word is a, a lamp and a light. Okay, over and over, he's describing what God's word is and what it does. Verse 160, he says, The sum of your word is truth. It's truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. He says the sum, the sum total of all of your words, it's truth, and it endures forever. It endures forever. Listen, in a world where things are changing by the year, by the month, by the week, by the day, there's something that endures forever that does not change. It's your righteous rules. Listen, a lot of times when we hear the word rules, we go, ugh, we cringe because rules restrict us and they impinge upon our freedom and our fun. And, and there are certainly those kind of rules, but the psalmist says, no, no, your rules are righteous. They don't keep us from experiencing life. They help us to find full life. In fact, this, this last verse I want to share with you, 175, says this, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules do what? Help me. Your rules help me. Listen, there's a lot of other things that we run to that may make us smile or laugh or think or whatever. And they may help us momentarily, but he says, your word is righteous. It endures forever, and it helps me. And so over and over and over in Psalm 119, you see the psalmist talking about how amazing and how awesome and powerful God's word is, what it does and, and, and what it is. But there's something else you see as you, as you make your way through these 176 verses. You see the psalmist's love for God. He loves God's word. He loves God's word. You see it over and over and over. And I just want to share a few verses with you, starting in verse number 14. He says, in the way of your testimonies, I, what? Delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will, again, delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So what, what's the word he uses to express his love for God's word? Delight, right? How often do you use the word delight? Probably not very often, right? 
I mean, if you use the word delight, I mean, you really got to enjoy something, right? I, like, you would use that for, like, ice cream or whatever, or, like, I mean, I delight in a game Cox win over a top 10 team, right? There's delight. There's great pleasure in that. The psalmist says, man, I love your word. I delight in it as much as in all riches. There's so many things that we can find joy in and happiness in, but he says, above all of those things, I delight in your truth and what you have said. I delight in it. Look at Psalm 119, verse 157. He says, many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. Like, I love this imagery. It, it makes me think about my son who just got his driver's license. And, you know, when you talk about driving and one of the, the things that comes up when you're driving, especially when you're out in the middle of, of nowhere, right, is you see something comes across the road. A what? What do you see? Deer, right? And w- what, are you, what are you taught to do? Like, just swerve as hard as you can. No, no, no. Don't swerve, right? Because you don't want to, you'll, you'll potentially cause more damage if you swerve into oncoming traffic or maybe go off the road into a telephone pole or w- whatever. So keep going. There, there's more of a likelihood that you'll, you'll experience less damage if you don't swerve, right? Here is what the psalmist says. I don't swerve from your way. When things come at me and I'm tempted to run away, when I'm tempted to move out of danger, out of harm's way, and I'm going to keep going the way that you have said is right. I do not swerve. Nothing is going to cause me to sway away from what you have declared to be right and true. And I love your word. It gives me life. And I do not swerve from it. Psalm 119, verse 54, he says this. And again, I love this. He says, your statutes, your, your words have been what? My songs and my house of sojourning, the house of my sojourning. So, so he's talking about this idea that I'm a sojourner. I'm, I'm just passing through this life and this world. And on my way through, the thing that, that, that keeps me going, the thing that the, my songs in my house of sojourning are your statutes, your words. You know, I remember, I, I didn't grow up in church, and so I remember I didn't come to Christ until I was almost 17 years old. And I remember in my high school years, man, I loved music. I loved music. I loved uh, classic rock music, and in the 90s, early 90s, was when grunge music was coming on the scene. So I loved grunge music and classic rock music, and to me, if you had asked me what my God was, it would have been music. Like, those songs, I would have said, got me through my hard times and my disappointment and my loneliness and all those things. Have you ever felt like that? Like you had a song for a season or songs helped you get through something difficult. And I would have pointed to all these songs that were, were my help in times of struggle. And I came to Christ and through the ministry of a Baptist church and you know what you do with all music that isn't Christian when you, when you come to Jesus in high school and all that rock music is devil's music? You know what you do with your music? You burn it, right? You put it in the pit of fire where Satan is, right? Because all that rock music. And the funny thing is, like, I remember getting rid of all of my music and I had so, this huge collection of tapes, right, and compact discs. And everyone under, like, 30 is like, what? <laughs> I got rid of it all. 
And it was good for me because those things for me in that time were my God. And I, I, I still love that stuff now. And the funny thing is my kids listen to that now, which is so weird, right? Um, but here's what the psalmist says. The thing that were my songs, the things that helped me in my sojourning, in the house of my sojourning, as I was passing through, as I'm going through the difficulties of life, here's what my songs are. It's your truth. It's your statutes. It's the things that you have declared are good and right and true. Those are my songs that help me get through. Your songs, your statutes are my songs in the house of my sojourning. And so we see this, this love for God's word, this dependence on God's word. There's, there's a fourth thing that we see throughout Psalm 119, and it's this. His determination to keep God's word. His determination to keep or to obey, to follow God's word. We, we see in Psalm 119, verse 44 and 45, he says, I will keep your law continually forever and ever and I shall walk in a wide place why for I've sought your precepts he doesn't just say I love your book listen here's what could happen there's a broken string (laughs) here's what could happen if I ask this morning how many and I'm not asking for a show of hands but if I ask this morning how many of you love God's word You know how many hands that we would see pop up? Probably a lot. Maybe most. The psalmist didn't just say, I love God's word. He said, man, I am am determined to continually keep and obey your word. I don't just have an affection for it. I have such a love for it that I will do it, that I follow it, that I am determined that I'm going to keep it because some of us say I love something but we we don't always we don't always do what we say we love I I could say that I, I I love you and I care about you but never go out of my way to serve you or to bless you or encourage you do I really love you if it doesn't flesh itself out in some kind of action and the psalmist says I will keep your law continually, verse 157, he says, many are, are my persecutors and adversaries, but I don't swerve from your testimonies. Uh, I don't swerve from them. Verse 173, he says, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I have chosen. I'm, I'm going to keep your word. I'm determined to do what your word says. And so here, here is my encouragement this morning. Here is really the big action step, okay? We see the psalmist, that he's troubled. We see him talking about the power of God's word, what it is, what it does, how much he loves God's word, how he's determined to keep and follow and obey God's word. Here's my encouragement for us this morning. If we're going to find hope in times of difficulty and discouragement and despair, if we're going to find hope, we've got to get into God's word every day to get hope. We've got to get into God's word every day to get hope. Listen, you want to find hope? You're not going to find hope on Facebook. Don't go to Facebook. Don't run to a newspaper or a magazine. 
Don't run to talk radio to find hope. You're not going to find it there. You're not going to fight it, find it at a game. You're not going to find it in a deer stand or shopping or eating. And some of you are like, preacher, now you've gone to meddling. Okay. Yes, I am. You're not going to find hope there. If you want to find hope, the only place you're going to find lasting hope is in Jesus, in God's word. Amen. This is the place where we find hope. And so we've got to run to God's word to find hope. So let me give you a few really practical thoughts on on getting into God's word. Okay, let me give you some thoughts. Here's the first one. We've got to quiet the noise in order to hear God's still small voice. We've got to quiet the noise in order to hear God's still small voice. Over and over in the Bible, we hear God's voice referred to as a still small voice. It's more like a whisper than it is a shout. And you know what happens when somebody whispers? What do we have to do in order to hear them? We have to lean in, right? We have to lean in. We have to quiet the noise in order to hear the whisper, the still, small voice of God. And listen, sometimes God shouts in our pain, but most often the way that God speaks to us is in a still, small voice. And some of us, I know as we go through this section, it's going to sound as if I am railing on social media. And the reason it's going to sound that way is because I am. <laughs> All right? Because I'm not going to tell you to get off of social media. But here's what I'm saying, is that when we spend a lot of our time, which this is coming out of personal struggle, okay? When we spend a lot of time scrolling, I don't care if it's good, bad, or ugly. When we spend a lot of time doing this, there's a lot of noise, that comes in to our heads. There's a lot of voices that we are exposed to. Sometimes those voices will point us to God's voice. Sometimes they just distract us from God's voice. And here's what I'm saying. We've got to be able to quiet the noise in order to hear the still small voice. And so for me, this comes out of conviction because uh, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Anybody feel me on that? Uh, I love it, but I hate it. And uh, one of the things I found over the last four, five, six weeks is I've been on social media more than normal for, for church stuff and all that kind of stuff because it's, it's kind of one of those things. You've, you've got to engage it, right? That's where people are. So we want to engage people. But at the same time, I, I feel like I've been on social media so much and there's so much noise and so many voices and there's, there's discouragement. And again, I come away from it Uh, feeling like I'm just bombarded with all these things, some good, some bad, but just so much noise. And so this week, uh, I haven't totally gone away from it, but for me, what's helped me is this week I've had to say, I've got to find a way to to get more quiet. And so I've deleted social media apps from my phone because you know what that makes me do? It forces me to actually log onto a desktop computer. Like, okay, what are we, in the 90s, right? Like, you know how, hard, how much harder it is to, like, be scrolling through social media when you have to go to a desktop? It's, it's way harder, and I spend way less time doing it. And so for me, I've had to say, oh, man, I need to quiet the noise. 
So how can I do that? For me, that's been one way. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what the noise is in your life. Maybe it's pick your social media of choice, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or or Twitter or TikTok or YouTube or Netflix. I don't know. Whatever it is, we've got to be able to quiet the noise if we're going to hear the still, small voice of God. And some of us, we're waiting. We're like the psalmist, like, God, how long do I have to endure this? And when are you going to deliver me? And when are you going to encourage me? And when are you going to answer me? And God is trying to speak to us. But it's in a still, small voice, and we can't even hear because of all of the noise. And if we're going to hear his voice, and if we're going to find hope, we've got to quiet the noise. So let, let me give us another thought on this. We've got to quiet the noise, but then we've got to feed our mind on truth. Feed your mind on truth. More than you scroll through feeds filled with opinions and half-truths. Feed your mind on truth more than, more than we scroll through feeds filled with opinions and half-truths. Okay, so whatever your social media is, of choice is, it's called a feed, right? It's kind of like a news feed. Why is it called a feed? Because it's feeding you all kinds of information, right? It's feeding you all kinds of content that you are consuming. Here's what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying stop scrolling. I'm not saying disengage with social media. Here's what I am saying. I'm saying feed your mind on truth more than scrolling through Social media feeds filled with opinions and half-truths. Let me give you an example. And this is a, this is a if, if, if I sound like I'm ranting, again, it's because I am, because this is a pet peeve of mine. Because when you scroll through social media, there is some good stuff on there, some encouraging stuff. And yet there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of half-truths. Things that sound nice and sweet and sentimental and make, may make you go, oh, wow. But it's, it's, it's an opinion or it's a half truth. And let me tell you this. What the enemy wants to do more than anything is not throw this blatant lie in your face. He wants to take something that resembles truth and is very close to truth, that even contains a little bit of truth, and twist it and give you a half truth. And I would argue that half-truths are more dangerous than flat-out lies. Let me give you an example. I saved this off of social media probably two months ago because I see this all the time, and it frustrates me. And I don't think any of y'all posted this. If you did, sorry, all right? Here's a teaching moment for you. (laughs) The more you thank life, the more life gives you to be thankful for. And you may scroll through and read that and go, oh, that's sweet. That's really nice. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Can I tell you something? That is garbage. (laughs) That is straight up garbage. From the pit of hell. I'm going to be extreme on that because what on earth does that even mean? (laughs) The more that I thank life, this is like what we would see when we talk about the universe. If we just put out good vibes into the universe, the the universe is going to pay us back. That is garbage. You don't thank life. You don't thank the universe. Life, universe, those are things. You don't thank things. You thank God who is the giver of life and all good things. Amen? The more you thank life, what? 
But some of us would see that and go, like, I love this. I'll even share this because this is good. This makes me feel good. And I'm telling you, this is trash. This is opinion. This is half-truth that will steer you away from what God says is true. The word of God says, thank God because he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Amen? And so, feed your mind on truth. This may make you feel good for about 10 seconds. It doesn't last. It doesn't endure. There is no enduring substance behind half of what we see, and yet we fill our minds with that stuff. Again, I'm not saying don't do it. Here's what I'm saying. Make sure you are feeding your mind with truth to combat the stuff that you see online. Because if you don't, if you don't feed your mind on the good stuff, you will read right past that and go, oh, amen, like, share, no discernment whatsoever. If we're not feeding our minds with what is true, and so feed your mind on what is true, more than scrolling through these feeds that are full of opinions and half-truths. Let me give you one more thing here. Fill your time with things that promote the gospel of peace. Fill your time. And, and, and what I would say here is, is the Bible, books, podcasts, music, things that, that promote the gospel of peace, that bring peace into the equation. Because here's what I know. When I get done scrolling, very seldomly do I come away from scrolling and feel inner peace. You know what I'm talking about? I feel frantic and anxious, and oh my goodness, what's going on? I don't feel peace. Here, here's, there's always these, these statistics on, um, or studies that are done on social media use, because it's still a new thing, right? And it's still developing and changing, and there's all new platforms that come out all the time. And the most recent study I looked at and le- that came out last month said that, that teenagers, and I would argue adults, but teenagers who spend three hours or more a day on social media are far, at far greater risk of dealing with mental health issues. Three hours plus. So that would include depression, anxiety, aggression, antisocial behavior, you name it. Three hours plus increases, in a dramatic way, the likelihood of dealing with mental health issues. Okay? And, and, and I, I would agree. I'm not a scientist, but I would go, yeah, the more I'm on that, the more anxious I feel and the less peace I feel. Here is my concern with, with social media and spending a lot of times consuming content. I'm not, as, I'm not as concerned with taking in all the bad stuff or, or polluting our minds, which I think we certainly do sometimes. I'm more concerned that we prevent good stuff from happening. In other words, I care more that we're missing out on really good, healthy stuff in our life because we spend so much time with noise. You know what I'm talking about? Not like I'm sitting here consuming all kinds of garbage on purpose, but when I, the more time I spend doing this, the less time I spend in God's Word and things that will edify me, that will build me up, that will strengthen me, that will encourage me, that will build my faith. Psalm 119, one of my favorite verses in Psalm 119 is, is verse 165. And it says this, great peace 
have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. And I, I, I remember the way I memorized this in the King James Version. It said, nothing shall offend them. You know, we live in a day and age where every little thing, like, offends us. We get bothered. We get rattled. We get thrown off. We, we trip over things that people say, whether they don't line up with the truth or they just have a different opinion, and we stumble over things. And what the psalmist says is, is that when you love God's word, listen, stuff doesn't trip you up. Stuff doesn't make you stumble and fall and get frustrated. Why? Because you are built on a rock-solid foundation. And you know that Jesus rules and reigns and that God is sovereign over all things. And regardless of people's opinions and the way culture shifts and sways, man, I stand on truth that is enduring, that's not going to change. And so you know what? It's not going to throw me off. Because I know God is in control of all things. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing will make them stumble. Nothing shall offend them. And so the idea this morning when it comes to social media, it's not even, it's, the question is, is it good or is it bad? The question is, what is best for me? I think of of 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 31, um, I'm sorry, 23. Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Is it okay to scroll through social media? Absolutely. But for some of us, we need to say, is that helpful? The amount of time that I spend doing this, is this encouraging me and strengthening me, or is this keeping me from putting my face into his book? Getting my face off of Facebook and getting my face into his book. Is this helping me? Let me share two last verses from Psalm 119 with you. And these are kind of compare and contrast verses. In Psalm 119, verse 18, the psalmist has this prayer to God. He says, God, open my eyes that I may behold what? Wondrous things out of your law. He says, God, would you open my eyes so that when I open your word, that you would open my spiritual eyes, you would open my soul to the wondrous things in your law, in your book. But then he comes along in verse 37 in kind of a different prayer, kind of the opposite prayer. He says, would you turn my eyes from looking at not wondrous things, but what? Worthless things. God, would you turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Would you open my eyes to the wondrous things in your word and God, would you turn my eyes from looking at worthless things because they don't give life. They don't give life and so would you give me life according to your ways because here is the reality this morning. What you consume consumes you. What you and I consume will ultimately consume us. And so if you and I spend most of our time consuming a lot of stuff and a lot of noise, a lot of voices, listen, it's crazy, but it's, it's, a, it's addictive, right? We get addicted and it consumes us. 
That's why they've come up with a whole new term, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. I'm so afraid that I'm going to miss something important. So I'm scrolling, 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 spending all my time there. Listen, it consumes us. But here is the psalmist's prayer. And this is what, what I would love to say of my life and for us to be able to say of our lives. That the thing that consumes us, what we are consumed by, what we are consumed with, is his word. It's his word. That we would be people of this book. Above all else, when we deal with discouragement and disappointment and despair, Man, we're not running all kinds of different directions, but we're running straight to the truth of God found in his word. Because this is what gives us life. Amen. So, Father God, this morning we are grateful that you are a God who gives life through your word. Lord, the reason any of us have a relationship with you is because you have revealed yourself to us your written word, the incarnate word of God, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And Lord, in you we find life. And so Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us to be a people of your word. Lord, that we would so love your truth, that we would be so determined to keep it, to obey it, to follow it, not to swerve from it. And God, that through that you would breathe life into our souls, that you would encourage us. And so God, would you even give us wisdom on how to quiet the noise, how to feed our mind on truth, how to fill our time with things that promote the gospel of peace. God, so that nothing would offend us because we are so rooted and grounded in your word. And so, Lord, this morning we thank you that we can know you through your holy word. And so, Lord, even this morning, would you give us peace as we worship you, as we set our eyes, as we fix our eyes on you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.